welcome to Slightly Scary Podcast. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Savannah. And we are your ghost hosts. This week, we're talking about Lizzie Borden, the murders and trial. This is our part two episode on Lizzie Borden. If you haven't listened to our part one yet, we strongly encourage you give that a listen before you join us for this episode. Part one includes a lot of important details about the relationships of the family and days leading up to the murders. This week, we will be going into detail about the murders and the trial. For those of you who have a weak stomach, when it comes to gore, we will be giving you a warning before we get into the nitty gritty details. I need, I need the warning before. <laughs> I thought you, you said, I love taking showers to people get murdered. <laughs> what happened to that? I, so I did say that, but intestines like coming out. I don't know. I'm just not a fan. I've never been a fan of like movies with a lot of gore and blood, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not like scary to me. It's just like, that's disgusting. <laughs> you know? You said- gross why would they do that yes and i also i want you to be really proud of me because i didn't look at lizzie borden stuff for a whole week for us recording this is all going to be fresh info i didn't rewatch any of the christy christina ritchie episodes didn't watch any of it this is all going to be fresh for me good i love that honestly because i want your like hot takes i want sav's hot takes <laughs> you want the all juice. on this episode there is the this is gonna be a long one y'all like <laughs> fyi buckle <laughs> up grab your popcorn grab um i don't know light a nice candle you mm-hmm. know grab your coca-cola draw draw a bath draw, draw a, a bubble bath. bath if you're savannah take a shower we'll listen to people <laughs> get murdered you know <laughs> <laughs> that's probably one of the best things i've said i'm gonna like make a favorite shirt you know like yes. i shower to people getting murdered <laughs> i shower to people getting murdered that could be iconic honestly mm-hmm. if taken in the right context if taken in the wrong context you sound like a murderer yourself so i mean you know it is what it is it's up for interpretation <laughs> All right. Well, Savannah, we have a little shout out before we get into things. Do you want to do our shout out? Yes, I would love to do our shout out. Let me get this pulled up really quick. It's quite a cute one. So we asked you guys last week, give us a review and we would give you a little shout out this week. And so our shout out goes to Ashley C. So she says, I love the energy Savannah and Sabrina bring when talking about these slightly scary topics, exclamation mark. Keep up the good work, ladies. Also, never get rid of the bloopers at the end, please. So Gage, never get rid of our bloopers. Gage, always (laughs) do the bloopers. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Ashley. Thank you, Ashley C., whoever you are. What a sweetheart. I imagine you're a very cool person and you have great taste. You sound like you have a septum ring. You just sound (laughs) like you got a snake tattoo. I don't know. You just sound like that kind of girl. You do. I can second that. Um, (laughs) And for those of you who don't know, we do have bloopers at the end of our episodes. If you're the person that turns it off whenever we say, well, if you like this episode and you're just like, (laughs) click. (laughs) done with that because i'm that person sometimes Mm -hmm. um we do fun bloopers at the end of the episode gage savannah's fiance our podcast editor always puts some fun ones in there so if you want a little extra content you got like 28 episodes backlog to go listen to those bloopers they are quite hysterical also his super proud moment last week was when he gave a fart noise what's so crazy about that is zach and i were listening to it and that part came up and zach turns to me and he goes did one of you guys actually fart i was like no 
<laughs> Why would we keep that in there? <laughs> he said he he test listened to like 28 different fart sounds and he just Gage picked that one. Work. Yeah, he thought that one was the most fun. And I was like, whatever your little heart desires for this free labor. Very realistic. I was embarrassed for us. <laughs> I was like, one of us farted. <laughs> I wonder how many people actually <laughs> thought that one was you just pause the episode really quick but did you just shit in my car (laughs) i love that so much oh my gosh if you think um one of us actually farted please let us know please send us a dm on social media (laughs) i need to know too but i gotta let gage know no more farts he thought that was the best thing he's like no we gotta (laughs) keep it this is the best thing i've ever done i'm like okay i love that good for him i'm Mm -hmm. proud of him um, so Savannah, give us a recap on your theory. What what was your thought? What did you think happened last time? I think Lizzie and her sister are a little bitch. <gasps> Savannah! <laughs> did I say that out loud? Oh my yeah. god, excuse me. Um, um, I still think that they're terrible. I think they did her, I don't know. I don't think it's I don't think it's their server. Their server, what it what was her name again? Maid? Bridget? Hey, Bridget. I don't think it's Bridget. I've been thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me what I thought. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Emma, I don't think she ever went to go visit her friend. Emma, the sister, you don't think she ever went to go visit her friend? No, because I think this was a two-person job. And I sincerely think. Interesting. Sincerely think that she did. Because she was gone for two weeks beforehand to go visit her friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that happened. She actually wasn't there during the murders. Just FYI. Are you what? Yeah, I was as I was doing research. Um, she gets telegraphed. I think it's telegraphed. I think 1800s was telegraphs, right? I didn't have phones back then, right? Smoke signal, just send it. I actually don't know. Like, <laughs> I genuinely don't know. I can't remember if it was a they telegraph or a phone call. code over a Navy ship. Like, what are they Who doing? Knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but she was not there during the murders. Okay. Well, scratch that. That was stupid. Let me. <laughs> no, I think it was a good, like, theory. It just. What if Bridget <laughs> did help? What if Bridget or Uncle John helped? I don't know. Maybe. I, I just we... don't think that she did it by herself. Okay. Um, I think someone took turns and just whacked the hell out of these people. Hashtag respect for your theory. Um, I think killing two people would be hard for a one-man job. One woman job, even. Mm -hmm. A woman wearing a huge 1800s dress. Yeah, that's a lot of skirts and no AC. I mean, she really put in the effort if it was just her. I guess unless you have like a lot of rage built up you know and you just have that fueling you mm-hmm. but there's just one way to find out let's dive in we have finally reached the day of the murders august 4th 1892 this is going to be a very detailed timeline for you guys okay the day started out as any normal day at 6.15 a.m., Bridget gets the fire on the stove started and brings in the milk. At 6.20 a.m., Uncle John goes downstairs into the sitting room. At 6.20 a.m., Abby goes downstairs and tells Bridget what they want for breakfast. At 6.40 a.m., Andrew comes downstairs to empty the slops, which I don't know what the slops are. 
they don't have pigs so like i don't know what that empty means the sl- come downstairs and empty the slops i'm gonna oh. get hung up on that <laughs> empty the slops <laughs> He also um, comes down to pick some pears, and then he goes into the barn. What? Six forty a.m. Yeah, they had a pear tree. Did they have outside. a partridge too? I hope so, because if not, they're not living to their full potential. <laughs> At six, I believe this is supposed to be forty-four. At six forty-four, Bridget opens the door for the Ice Man. At seven a.m., Bridget serves breakfast to john and john is lizzie and emma's uncle just for anybody who forgot so bridget serves breakfast to john andrew and abby while lizzie is still asleep upstairs lies lies <laughs> side note lizzie's sister emma was still out of town at this point and i confirmed savannah she went to go get some dresses made somewhere else I, that was what it was. What if she's an alien this whole time and she teleported herself where she needed to be? I don't know. It's just a theory. She has more technology than we do then. Mm-hmm. At 7.45 a.m., Andrew and John go into the sitting room to talk. Abby sits to talk with them for a little bit, but then begins to dust around the home. At 8.30 a.m., John sees Abby go into the front hall. At 8.45 a.m., John left and Andrew followed him to the side door and locked the door behind him. He also invites him back for dinner that evening. So Andrew was like very, very keen on locking all the doors since their break-in. You know how he like kind of like left the key out as like a tease to whoever broke in. Mm -hmm. He's also very keen on locking all the doors in the house. John goes to the post office and then visits his niece and nephew at Daniel Emery's home, which I think is just like their dad. From 8.45 a.m. to 9 a.m., Andrew goes back upstairs to get ready for work. He comes back downstairs in a collared shirt and a tie, and he goes into the sitting room. During this time, Abby tells Bridget that the windows need to be washed on the inside and the outside. Also, during this time, Bridget goes outside to vomit because, you know, like, she's sick like the entire family is. Mm-hmm. This is I told you this is very detailed. <laughs> no, From, just, you know, like the, the poisoned milk. Someone poisoned, poisoned the bread. Milk. Yes, mm-hmm. the poisoned milk. Mm-hmm. From 8.45 to 8.50, Lizzie comes downstairs from her bedroom and enters the kitchen. At 9 a.m., Andrew leaves the house. At 9 a.m., Bridget comes back inside and does not see Lizzie or Andrew. She does see Abby dusting in the dining room. At 9 a.m., Abby goes up into the guest room. She goes to the guest room. Just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. From 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., Bridget puts away the breakfast dishes in the kitchen. From 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., Abby Borden is murdered in the guest room from blows to the head with a sharp weapon. Hmm. So that during that hour, she is murdered. So Bridget didn't hear her getting whacked? I guess not. She was putting away the dishes in the kitchen. Hmm, I don't believe it. All right. I don't well, believe not any necessarily. Of it. 
She's not necessarily. So from nine to nine 30, she's putting away the dishes from nine to 10. Abby is murdered. So there's still that last half hour. Mm-hmm. So at nine 30, the treasurer of the union state savings bank talks with Andrew at the bank. John arrives at Daniel Emery's home. Bridget goes and gets the brush from the cellar so she can wash the windows. So she's in the cellar at this point. During this time, Lizzie goes to the back door as Bridget goes out to the barn. She asks Bridget if she's going to be washing the windows, but it's like, you know, kind of obvious because she's standing there with all like the window washing stuff in her hands. Bridget tells Lizzie that she doesn't need to lock the door because she will be outside keeping her eye on things. Hmm. From 9.30 to 10.20 a.m., Bridget washes all of the outside windows and even stops to talk to Kelly Girl, which I think was the neighbor's maid, I believe, at the south side fence. A neighbor also sees Bridget washing washing the windows, so that's confirmed on multiple accounts. At 10.20 a.m., Bridget comes back inside from the side door and starts washing the inside of the window. So this is post Abby murdered. At 10.29 a.m., Andrew leaves Jonathan Clegg's shop and heads home. This is seen by multiple people. From 10.30 a.m. to 10.40 a.m., Andrew is seen on the front steps of his own home. He is also fumbling with his keys, and so, like, he starts ringing the doorbell because he just can't get the door unlocked, and he wants someone to let him in. And there were, like, three bolted locks on the inside of the door, which he just, that's why he couldn't get in, because you, like, can't unlock those, so somebody has to unlock it from the inside. So Bridget goes to the door, and as she's sitting there fumbling with all three of, like, the bolted locks um, to let Andrew in, she hears Lizzie laughing at the top of the stairs. And Bridget thought this was kind of odd. Oh, my God. That gave me chills, dude. Right? I know. I don't like it. Oh, no. Okay. I don't like it. Um, so it was common for Andrew to, like, come home during lunchtime, but he came home a lot earlier, like, today, because he was still feeling ill from, you know, whatever they had eaten that caused the family illness. At 10.35 a.m., Bridget sees Lizzie go into the dining room, and she's speaking with her father in a low voice. Bridget says she overheard Andrew asking Lizzie where Mrs. Borden was, and Lizzie said she received a note this morning that she had to go out and help a sick friend. Kind of peculiar. Mm -hmm. From 10.35 a.m. to 10.45 a.m., Andrew goes upstairs to his bedroom, and then he comes back downstairs and goes and sits on the sofa in the sitting room. At 10.45 a.m., Mary Chase, um, which I think is just one of their neighbors, sees a man on the Borden's fence taking pears. Some random guy. From 10.45 a.m. to 10.55 a.m., Lizzie is putting the ironing board on the dining room table and Bridget finishes cleaning the last windows on the inside of the house. Lizzie then asked Bridget if she's going out and Bridget was like, I'm not sure. I'm really still not feeling well. And Lizzie was like, oh, well, there's a sale happening at Sargent's and there's some fabric that's only eight cents. And so, you know, she just kept being like, you should go to this sale, which is just kind of strange. 
At 10.50 a.m., Mark Chase observes a man in an open buggy parked in front of the Borden home. Just some unidentified man. At 10.55 a.m., after the talk Bridget and Lizzie had about the sale, Bridget says that she's feeling ill and she wants to go take a nap. So she goes upstairs to her room in the attic and lies down to rest. At 10.55 a.m. to 11 a.m., Andrew Borden is murdered from blows to the head with a sharp weapon. So now we're getting into the aftermath of the murders. That was like the whole timeline leading up. My God, Abby's been dead for an hour and a half. I know. Jeez. It's kind of like spooky (laughs) to think that. like She's been dead just sitting there in the house. I hate that. Mm. Any other thoughts? I don't, dude, I literally, my skin is crawling. Oh, I hate that. I know. And Lizzie, I'm okay. So what if she, you know, when Bridget was outside getting her window washing stuff and Lizzie's like, what you doing out here? And Bridget's like, you know, bro, I'm just literally getting my stuff. What if she went at that time to get the ax? Because Abby's supposed to have died from nine to 10. So what if she went out there then and got the Like, axe? you think Bridget went to go get the axe? No, Lizzie went to go get that axe. Interesting. Do you, Where do you think she got the axe from? Wherever she went to go outside and get the window washing stuff. Bridget's the one that went outside to get the window washing stuff. But didn't Lizzie meet her outside and said, I'll just keep Lizzie, like, went on, to- like, Lizzie went to the back door. So mm-hmm. I believe they were, like, on opposite sides of the door. Like, Lizzie was on the inside. Bridget was on the outside. Oh. That's kind of what I think it was. I'm just not getting any of these right. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Goes to the you're back asking good questions. Door as Bridget goes out to the barn. And then Bridget tells Lizzie that she doesn't need to lock the door because she's going outside and won't keep her eye on things. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, so now we're getting into the aftermath of the murders. Oh God, they're just over here freaking chilling dead. I know, I Deceased. Know. It- it gets spookier, Sab. Oh, God. Okay, okay. At 11 a.m., Bridget hears the city hall clock chime. Remember, she was just, like, resting. She wasn't asleep. So, you know, she was awake and could hear things. And it's important to note, it's important to note that Bridget could often hear the doors opening and closing in the house from her room and, like, people coming in and out. But she said after the clock chimed, she did not hear any sounds of open doors, like doors opening and closing or anything like that. Ugh. At 11, 10 a.m., Lizzie yells to Bridget, Maggie, come quick. Father is dead. Someone has come in and killed him. When Bridget gets down there, she tells Bridget to go get Dr. Bowen. Like she sees, you know, Andrew dead on the floor and Lizzie's like go get Dr. Bowen like we need a doctor so Bridget runs over to Dr. Bowen's who lives like right across the street but he isn't home he's like doing house checkups so she runs back over to the Borden house and she tells Lizzie he's not home and when she comes back Lizzie asks or she asks Lizzie where were you when this happened I thought I latched the screen door And Lizzie told her that she was outside and she heard a groan coming from the inside of the house. And when she came back in, she noticed the door was wide open. So Lizzie is like, Bridget, do you know where Alice Russell lives? I need you to go get her because I don't want to be alone. 
So Bridget goes and gets Alice. And if you remember from last episode, Alice was Lizzie's friend who just the night before she visited and was telling her, I'm so worried something's going to happen. Like, I don't, I just think something's going to happen to my father. My Lord. I know. And this is kind of wild because Lizzie is like, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. But she's sending Bridget to all these places, which is like inherently making her home alone you know mm-hmm. that way she can get rid of some evidence wow i don't know bridget is gone i don't know so their neighbor mrs churchill notices all of this commotion like of bridget running everywhere and so she yells to lizzie to see if everything's all right lizzie is like something has happened to father please come quick and Miss Churchill comes over and asks Lizzie where she was. And Lizzie was like, I was in the barn looking for some iron. Then she goes into detail about Abby being sent this note to go visit a sick friend and how Lizzie was worried that someone was going to hurt her father. And then Lizzie said, you know, I actually think I heard Abby come in. She might still be here. And then Lizzie goes on and on about how she needs a doctor there. Like there needs to be a doctor there. So Mrs. Churchill takes it upon herself to go find a doctor. She crosses the street and starts looking for a doctor. At 11.18 a.m., Dr. Bo... Sorry, might be. At 11.18 a.m., Dr. Bowen arrives at the Borden house and makes a very shocked noise whenever he sees Andrew's body and asks for a sheet. Dr. Bowen checks for a pulse and noted that the body was still warm. So, like, he's freshly dead. And he also said that he does not have a pulse and he declared him dead. This is where I would recommend anybody who is squeamish to fast forward about a minute. (laughs) Savannah, I have a picture in there for you. You don't have to look at it. This is, we will not be posting these on our social media. Just FYI for people. So Andrew's face had essentially been chopped off to a point where he was almost unrecognizable. And there was just a lot of blood on him. He had received most of the hits from the left side of his face. And one of his eyeballs was completely cut in half. And Savannah, I told you I was going to give it to you. He had received 10 to 11 strikes so what 10 and a half one i don't it was like 10 maybe 11 not 41 there were not 41 strikes and i think between them they had it was like 29 strikes in total i i think this was a rage murder this was a very intimate murder for sure it was i can't even look at that picture right now my goodness oh my god okay so when dr bowen returned he saw Lizzie and he asked her the same question that Bridget and Mrs. Churchill asked her where were you when this happened Lizzie told Dr. Bowen she was out in the barn finding iron then she made a statement that one of Andrew's tenants possibly might have wanted him dead she said that she heard many conversations between her and her father and his or her father and his tenants that did not end like happy you know Mm. At 11.20, Officer Allen arrives at the Borden home, and he is met at the door by Dr. Bowen, and he sees Lizzie sitting at the kitchen table alone. Alice Russell comes in at this point as well, 
and Officer Allen checks the front door and sees that it's bolted from the inside. He also checks all of the closets in the dining room and kitchen just to kind of like make sure, you know, murderers not still in there. Or are they? At 11.22, Officer Allen and Dr. Bowen both leave the Borden house to go back to the police station. And another officer is like guarding the back door. And I think it's like a note. I think why the police officer left um, is because they were having like a police like fun day. I think all the police like went to some sort of like carnival or amusement park. So like a lot of the police were not on duty. So like once this police officer was like, oh shit, this is serious. He was like, I got to get more people in on this. I think um, it's interesting, the timeline of it all. It's almost like right? somebody knew that the police were going to be gone. It's wild. And then Dr. Bowen, Lizzie was like, somebody needs to tell Emma what happened. So Dr. Bowen returns home and he phones to Emma, letting her know what happened. Then he goes to the drugstore and, you know, to get some drugs. During this time, Lizzie keeps saying, will someone please find Mrs. Borden? Like, I just wish somebody would find Mrs. Borden. So Bridget and Mrs. Churchill don't really want to go looking around the house whenever there's maybe a murderer in there. But they both go upstairs and they find Abby's body on the guest bedroom floor. Again, if you're squeamish, please skip forward about a minute. Abby Borden was found laying down and had been completely hacked to death in the back of her head. All of her wounds were in the back of her head, none on her face. Hmm. Her The murders were committed about anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours apart. And Abby was killed first and Andrew was killed after her. And they like determined that by the way that Abby's like blood was clotting. Um, and then Andrew's was still kind of like pouring out. And his body was a lot warmer. Oh, and there's a picture of her if you want to see that, but I don't want to. It's look haunted, my dude. I hate it. It's so scary. Oh, Lord, I got the goosies. <laughs> Alice and Lizzie are in the kitchen. And then Alice is like, oh, my goodness. Like, Lizzie, are you okay? And then she asks Lizzie the same question that everybody wants to know. Where were you when the murders happened? Like, where were you? Lizzie said she was in the barn looking for iron or tin to fix her screen. So keep what that screen? in mind. I don't know if it's like a window screen or something, well, but keep that in mind. A screen. I don't Lizzie. Know. Just keep that in mind. At some point while Lizzie and Alice were in the kitchen, Alice began to undo the collar on Lizzie's dress so that she could breathe better because she just like thought that Lizzie was going to faint. And Lizzie actually stopped Alice from doing this. She like grabbed her hand and said, I'm not going to faint. Kind of crazy. Like, don't touch me. Yeah. She's just trying to be a helpful friend. Mm Mm-hmm. So Lizzie, after this, went upstairs to have some alone time. She went upstairs? Yes. She went upstairs in Emma's bedroom to have some alone time. And Alice went up to check on her. Alice then said that she saw Lizzie tying some ribbons on a pink wrap dress that she was wearing. This is very, very interesting considering both Mrs. Churchill and Bridget testified that earlier that day, Lizzie was wearing a light blue gingham patterned dress. So she's wearing something completely different now. Black, 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 black. It's kind of interesting. (sighs) More people arrived on the scene and started investigating and looking around. 
They were all kind of puzzled because something just kind of seemed off. They said there wasn't a lot of blood around, just kind of like on the bodies. But like given this type of murder, there should have been blood Blood kind of everywhere. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There should have been blood splatters. They were also concerned about the aggression of the attacks because they hadn't really seen that type of like aggressive type murders in their town before. So the police were looking around and Lizzie told them, hey, just FYI, there is a bowl of bloody rags in the cellar, but don't worry about that. I'm just on my period. Okay. (laughs) Convenient. (laughs) And they didn't ask her any more questions about the bloody rags in the cellar because they were probably just like shocked that a woman was talking to them about her time of the month. And they just started questioning Lizzie about, like, other things and, like, where she was during the murders and, like, you know, where was she? What everybody wants to know. So Lizzie said that she was waiting for her iron. uh, Like, she got out the ironing board. She was waiting for the iron to heat up. And she began thinking about a fishing trip that her and her friends were taking soon. So she was like, I wonder if I have any sinkers. So she went out to the barn to see if there was any iron that she could use to make fishing sinkers, which is a little different than what she had said earlier. Mm. She then said that she was walking to the barn when she noticed a pear tree that had some nice ripe pears on the ground underneath the tree. So she grabbed three of them and then she went up into the loft in the barn and just sat and enjoyed eating some pears for about 20 to 30 minutes. Now, mind you, she would have been staring out of the window at the house, like, in the position that she was in in the barn. So, like, she would have had a clear view of the house for that 20 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So if someone was coming in and out, she would have been able to see them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Also, it was August, so it was, like, 90 degrees out and she was wearing a dress in the 1800s and you know how many layers are on those dresses there's several yeah so why would she go up into this barn where there's no like airflow it's closed in it's making it even hotter and that's where she's choosing to enjoy these pears she's not enjoying pears where are the course where are the pear cores? I want to see them (laughs) I would be all over this shit like sting on rice I swear to you swear i meant to say sticky sticky on rice i don't know sticky on rice yes this is insane so you're gonna sit there and tell me you watched everybody get murdered you were seeing some pears i know right it's it's definitely wild Mm -mm. so she then said that she went on the other side of the barn and started looking for materials to use for the fishing sinkers then she said she heard a groan from the house and a scraping sound then she went into the house and found her father but i feel like this is like unlikely if you are rummaging through like metals and stuff on the Mm -hmm. other side of the barn and you hear a groan from the inside of the house that Bridget didn't hear and she was in the house that just doesn't add up to me and scraping sounds scraping from what yeah yeah and like how do you hear that but Bridget doesn't whenever she's in the house and she wasn't asleep she was out there no it's just kind of odd at area um bridges in the house she mm-hmm. can hear when people are walking opening and closing doors but she doesn't hear the groan 
or the scraping noise. Lizzie is outside behind the barn going through different types of metals. Who knows how much noise that's making? And she hears it. It just seems fishy. I don't like this at all. I don't like this at all. I was completely wrong about my theory. It was all Lizzie. That's what I'm going to say now. It was all her. There was no random man eating pears. She would have seen that if she was on the top of the barn watching this man get pears just over the fence. That was before this. I'm I'm pretty sure that was before. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Oh, God. This is weird. This is weirder than the crybaby bridges. Oh, no. One tops it. It tops it. Oh, my God. Freak it out. Okay. All right. Okay. The police noticed that Lizzie's behavior seemed a little off. Nope, they said it. that she was <laughs> they said she was cold, distant, and didn't really seem upset or panicked. Mind you, she really just like could have been in shock. Like maybe the police are like, oh, you know, women, like they just can't handle anything and they're so hysterical. So that's probably like what they expected her to be like. And she just very well could have been traumatized and in shock. And that's her reaction to it which is like normal like you don't know how you're gonna react whenever you um two people are murdered in your house mm-hmm. they probably also chopped it off to you know hysterics or not because she's supposedly on her period yeah good point good point i won't made a good point finally okay <laughs> it's also important to note that one of the officers refers to abby as lizzie's mother and lizzie sharply corrects him and says she is not my mother she is my stepmother. My mother is dead, which mm-hmm. is just like, it wasn't like a, Hey, actually she's my stepmother. She's not my mom. You know, she said it very disgruntled. Hmm. Interesting. As the police are interviewing Lizzie, Alice is nearby just being like a supportive friend. And the police ask Lizzie, did your father have any enemies or like anybody who would want to hurt him? And Lizzie said, no. But then Alice cuts in and said, actually, Lizzie, do you remember what you told me last night? And that is when Lizzie tells the police officers about the barn be in the house being broken into and the family potentially being poisoned and the heated interactions between her father and her associates and like how Lizzie was like scared that somebody was going to hurt her father. So. Lizzie even recalled one circumstance where Andrew was having a heated conversation with someone who was wanting to buy property from Andrew, and then Andrew kicked the man out of their house. She also mentioned that one night she was she saw a dark figure sneaking around the house, but really couldn't elaborate on anymore. Now there's paranormal activity, or is this <laughs> just a person that they just couldn't identify? I'd, nope, 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 nope. It's so spooky. It's suspicious. So Lizzie then went upstairs to her room to lie down and Dr. Bowen went with her and was dosing her with morphine to calm her down. I guess like maybe she had, you know, been a little bit more hysterical after she was trying to calm down or whatever, but he started dosing her with morphine and the police knocked on her door, like the dorm of her room and Dr. Bowen answered and uh, the police were like, Hey, can we come in and search the room? And Dr. Bowen was like, hold on. And he shuts the door. He goes and talks to Lizzie, he comes back and he says, Mrs. Borden wants to know if it is absolutely necessary for you to search her room. Yes. And the police were like, yeah, a murder just happened in this house. We need to search <laughs> the room. 
And so the police came in and they searched, but they didn't find anything. They searched the rest of the rooms in the house and they also didn't find anything. The police then searched the barn where Lizzie said that she was during the time of the murders. But what's odd is that the police didn't find any footprints in the barn. Mm -hmm. Like there were no footprints in the sawdust, in the normal dust. They even said it looked like nobody had been in the barn for a long time. Oh my God. And if you're walking around in there trying to find iron or walking up the stairs, trying to, you know, go enjoy some pears, there's probably going to be some footprints in there, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, she's such a liar. Lies. So that night, Lizzie, John, they're like Lizzie and Emma's uncle, Bridget and Alice all stayed in the Borden home. And Alice slept in Andrew and Abby's room, like their bedroom, which I could not imagine doing. That would be awful. I don't know why that happened. But what's even worse is the bodies were still in the home. No. They were just in the sitting room laid out. Under a sheet, I hope. I would hope so. Like Dr. Bowen did ask for a sheet. So I would imagine they got a sheet, but like still, no, never. Why would never they would take you them catch away me doing in, that. The, in the buggies? Why would it, why didn't they take I don't know. it? I don't know if like that's what they did back then. Like if it was a murder investigation, they just wanted to like keep the crime scene as like close as they could to its original thing. Like I don't know, but that's what happened. So there was a police officer posted outside of the home that night while they slept. He, um, like, just in case, you know, the murderer tries to come back or something. He said that around 8.30 p.m., Alice came to the door and said that everyone was going to bed. After Alice said this, Lizzie said that she was going to go empty the toilet pan in the cellar. And Alice was like, no, 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 you just went through a lot. Let, Let me do this for you, like trying to be a good friend. And Lizzie was like, no, no. I will do it. And Alice went with her anyway to hold the lamp and like be supportive. So the officer sees this all happening because you can like see it from the outside um, and because they have a lamp. So, you know, you can like follow the light. So the officer said that um, he sees them go into the cellar and like dump the pan into the sink in the cellar and then come back out. Then... The officer said that 15 minutes after this, Lizzie returned to the cellar by herself with a small lamp. She set the lamp on the table and then she went to the sink of the cellar and crouched down near it for about one to two minutes. Then she got back up and went upstairs. Oh, God. So there's no way for us to know what Lizzie was doing in the cellar. But what is odd is that she went back down right after she went with Alice. Mm-hmm. And what's obvious is that she wanted to go to the cellar by herself. She made that clear to Alice and Alice wouldn't let her. So she did it after Alice, um, after she went with Alice. And we do know that Lizzie waited for Alice to get in the bath before she went down to the cellar because the officer questioned Alice about this the next day. He was like, hey, like, why did Al- why did Lizzie go into the cellar again? And she was like, what do you mean? And he was like, oh, yeah, she went into the cellar about 15 minutes after you. And she was like, oh, I was in the bath during that time. So it's kind of weird. The next day, Alice found a club at the end of the bed that she slept in. And Alice believed a club like that you would hit somebody with. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Alice believed that someone had placed this there while she was asleep because she didn't see it whenever she went to bed and she would have noticed something like that whenever she went to bed. Um, We can speculate that Lizzie placed the club there to scare Alice away from staying in the house any longer. Alice had done what Lizzie needed her to do, which was tell the police that Lizzie had been scared someone was going to hurt her father and like bring up that evidence. So it looked like more natural and she didn't need Alice there anymore. After that night, Alice still stayed in the Borden house. She just stayed in a separate bedroom and she actually stayed there for four days after the murder. Mm. She was just being a good friend, you know, or she's part of the scheme. Oh, interesting. She gets a cut of the cash. It's not a bad point. Mm -hmm. A few days later, the funeral for Abby and Andrew took place and the police came to search the home again after the funeral. The police asked Lizzie to hand over the clothes she was wearing the day the murders happened, and she gave them three pieces of clothing, a dark blue blouse, a patterned skirt, and a white underskirt. A few days after the murder, Alice and Emma saw Lizzie ripping and burning some fabric in their wooden stove. So Emma was home at this point because she had returned home after, you know, Dr. Bowen had called her. Um, And she came home, you know, for the funerals and to be with Lizzie. But Lizzie said that she was burning an old piece of clothing because it had paint on it. She said that she had rubbed up against some fresh paint and she was just burning it because she didn't need it anymore. And Alice was like so concerned about this because of how bad it looked. And she even told Lizzie, like, don't let anybody see you doing that. Like you're burning clothes a few days after two people were murdered in your house. That's not good. So so the next day, Monday, the police came to search the house again. Prior to this search, they had taken um, two axes and a hatchet from the house, but they were looking for other weapons because those didn't have any blood or anything on them that would lead them to believe that it was a murder weapon. During this search, they found part of another hatchet. The wooden handle on it had been broken off and the blade had like some ashy substance on it giving it like a worn down look. Um, And it was in a box with some other tools, but those other tools didn't have the same substance on it. So they took it into evidence. Hmm. Alice was being interviewed by the police and she was asked if, if she thought all of the dresses that were there the day of the murder were present in the home at that time. And at first she said, yes, but, she was torn and later she went to Lizzie and Emma and was like, Hey, I didn't feel comfortable lying to the police about the dresses. So she basically ended up fessing up to the police about the dresses. And it's important to note that when the police did their initial search, they went through all the girls closets and they were specifically looking for like blood splatters. So they were looking at all like the skirts and like the end of the skirts and every detail And they didn't find any dresses with paint splatters on them. Mm, 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 mm. Where that dress would have been kept. Unless it was in the cellar. Good point. Um, I think there was also something where whenever Lizzie was burning the dress, Alice had noticed that there was like a dark blue piece of fabric shoved into the cupboard. So I don't know if maybe she had kept it in there and then was burning it or if she did keep it in the cellar. I don't know. Hmm. 
On August 11th, Lizzie Borden was arrested on two counts of murder. She went, she was sent to the jail and was like sobbing and hyperventilating so hard that she had to call Dr. Like the, um, the female person of the jail. Like I'll get to the word later because I have it written out, but like, it was just this female person of the jail who had, um, called Dr. Bowen to help before we get into the trial. What? She get more, more probably. I think so. Actually. Um, so before we get into the trial, Savannah, mm-hmm. thoughts? I don't want to get haunted by her because I know that's the next episode is we're going to talk about all her little hauntings and stuff, but it creeps me out. I think we're hearing some fibbins going on. Something's not right here. Not at I all. I agree. I totally agree. I, I think don't... that there's some things not aligning and... It doesn't look good for Lizzie. No, and Sam. my hair is standing up, dude. I'm like so nervous about this episode. I'm sorry I called you a liar, Lizzie, but it's just not working <laughs> well. It's not. I don't think she's going to haunt you. I just don't want her to. You were saying some some stuff and I was like, bro, she's a ghost. She, she's fibbing, but at the same time, like, are you? Like, were you just set up to look bad so that the guy in the pear tree did the stuff he was doing or the tendons? Lizzie, tell no don't no no. (laughs) don't no don't just stay where you are but just sage my house so the trial began in june of 1893 and this trial was bussin oh my goodness bussin it was the trial of its time like think oj simpson Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, like everybody wanted to watch, everybody needed to read about it. It was like the happening thing. Okay. And the team Lizzie got to defend her in the trial was literally a famous team. Like she literally had somebody who was once the governor of Massachusetts on her team. So what? the family had forked out some money for this. Mm-hmm. The trial, Sorry, the jury was made up a, of 12 men and there were three male judges on the trial. Mm-hmm. So Lizzie's team actually got a lot of evidence omitted from the trial. Um, Lizzie's inquest testimony was omitted. So all of her like changing stories and different timelines were not allowed to be told to the jury. And this is because the doctor was giving her high levels of morphine basically since her um, father and stepmom's murders. So anything she said on morphine was considered like under the influence and was thrown out. Okay. Another piece of evidence that was thrown out was the pharmacist. Do you remember when like Lizzie went to go buy prussic acid? Mm-hmm. Um, that was thrown out because it didn't pertain to Abby and Andrew being murdered. Like they were hacked to death. So like not poisoned. So they said that it didn't have anything to do with it, even though like the family was sick all before that, but they said it didn't have anything to pertain or didn't pertain to anything. So that piece of evidence was thrown out. Mm -hmm. And during the trial, literally the unthinkable happened. The prosecutor exhumed Andrew and Abby's bodies. They just spent money putting them there. I know. Digging them back up. 
Mm -hmm. And they removed the flesh and brought out their skulls into the courtroom so the jury could see their wounds. Sorry, should that have had a trigger warning? (laughs) Oh my God, they took the flesh. They did this so that the jury could see their wounds. And this actually caused Lizzie to faint in the courtroom. And because, you know, nobody wants to see that. So they had to take some time to like, you know, get some smelling salts to bring her back and everybody was like oh no like lizzie like they're really worried about her so many people were brought on trial but i want to take a moment to talk about the matron that's the word the matron of the jail she was the one who called dr bowen when lizzie was having panic attacks while on stand (laughs) the matron had told the jury that emma visited lizzie in the jail and she overheard a heated conversation between them Lizzie had said to Emma, you've given me away, haven't you? And Emma said, no, Lizzie. And then Lizzie said, you have, and I will let you see. I won't give one inch. So that's an interesting piece of conversation. Like you've given me away. Like you don't believe I could pull this off. And then sister's like, no, girl, I got you. And then Lizzie's like, you just wait and see. I'm about to get off. I'm about to get (laughs) off scot-free. I took it as you've given me away, like you've given me away, haven't you? Like you've told somebody like what I've done. That's what I've taken it as. But I think it also could be taken your way. Hmm. Okay. I'm still getting gooseies. I'm still getting them. Oh my God. So (laughs) with the weapons that they took into evidence, they had all been examined and none of them had any blood or anything on them. The only blood that was found on anything was on Lizzie's skirt. Um, And it was about the size of a pinhead. But it was it was determined to be human blood, but they couldn't confirm whether it was fresh or old blood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you remember the note that Lizzie was talking about that Abby received calling her away from the house because she had a sick friend? Yes. Nobody could find this note. Shut it was like referred up. to as yeah, it was referred to as the ghost note because nobody could find it. The only evidence that it ever existed was the fact that Lizzie said it did. Oh, my God. I know. So they put a $5,000 reward for anyone who could provide information on the note, like the messenger who delivered it, the sick person that the note was referring to, anybody. No one came forward. And that's probably because it didn't exist. Because everybody was talking about this trial at the time and everybody was reading papers about it. So odds are that information would have got to someone who, you know, was had any sort of relation with this note. Mm-hmm. So basically, Lizzie's defense team ended with this. There was no murder weapon found and there was no physical evidence found that pointed to Lizzie committing these murders. Lizzie had an alibi of being in the barn during the murders and even two people confirmed that they saw her in there. Lizzie had no motive and Lizzie wouldn't have been strong enough, nor would she have been proficient enough with an ax to make these wounds. And then the prosecutor ended with Lizzie did have a motive. She hated Abby and made that very clear. And she hated the way her father spent his money. So she killed them to solve both of their problems. The jury deliberated for only 90 minutes and came back declaring Lizzie Borden not guilty. It's been said that they decided right away, but they stayed for 90 minutes just so it looked like they were like talking and deliberating about it. Oh my God. 
Mm-hmm. The perfect murder. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about life after the murders. Mm-hmm. So after the trial, Lizzie actually stayed in Fall River and she just changed her name to Lizbeth. Even her headstone says Lizbeth. Lizzie and Emma acquired part of the, like their part of the inheritance and even got to live out their dream of living on the hill in a mansion. And they named the mansion Maplecroft. Lizzie and Emma moved into the mansion in 1887. It was seven bedrooms and three and a half baths. They even held very lavish parties in this home. Twelve years into the two sisters living together, something happened that made Emma move out. There was an argument or dispute that took place, and Emma moved to New Hampshire, and the two girls never spoke again. Mm. No one knows what this dispute was about, um, but it must have been big. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was Lizzie confessed to the murders. There's been speculations that Lizzie was um, she was gay. So like maybe Emma didn't agree with that or something. I read something about a boyfriend that Emma might have had, like it involves something with that. So I don't know. It's just it hasn't been confirmed and nobody will ever know. Mm-hmm. Lizzie died at the age of 66 from pneumonia. But what's odd is the same day that Lizzie died, Emma fell and broke her hip. And then she died nine days later from infection complications due to the fall. Dude, they were soul sisters. I know. I also, I attached a picture of their mansion. I like the dish satellite on the top of the front (laughs) door. Yeah, this is not like back whenever they had it. This is. So someone lives in it now. Yeah, I think so. I, I I don't know if it's like turned into a bed and breakfast like the Borden home is, but um, there was a monkey that lived in it for a while. The owner had a monkey, so that's fun. Oh my God. In the Borden house, you can go there? The Borden house is a bed and breakfast now that you can stay in. And we will be talking about that all next week. Oh my God, that makes me sick. You couldn't pay I know. me. Couldn't I know. pay me. So if Lizzie didn't do it, who did? Hmm. Let's break down some of the most common theories out there. And all of these theories come from thecrimewire.com. Okay. And Savannah, I want to get your take on all of these theories, okay? I'm so ready, dude. I'm like sweating and I'm cold at the same time. (laughs) Theory number one, the wild-eyed man. Lizzie told the police that she'd seen a wild-eyed man lurking around the home the morning of the murders. Several locals reported seeing a suspicious man who matched Lizzie's description in the vicinity later that day. Maybe that was the Mm. man reaching over the pear tree. Maybe that was the buggy parked outside their home. Mm. What are your thoughts? Could be. And, you know, apparently Andrew made some of his tenants mad. So it could be a guy with an itch for murder. He's got some wide eyes, wild eyes, wild eyes, wide, wild eyes. (laughs) I think that this is probably the most likely theory if it's not Lizzie, Um, because like you said, Andrew had enemies. His tenants didn't agree with him about things. And he even had that one guy come in and Andrew kicked him out of his house. So Mm -hmm. maybe it was just greed, you know, and anger. Maybe. Theory number two. Lizzie and the maid Bridget. According to this theory, Lizzie was having an affair with Bridget the maid. In this scenario, Abby discovered the relationship and threatened to tell Lizzie's father, prompting Lizzie to kill her stepmother in order to prevent that from happening. 
But why just stop? Why wouldn't you just stop at the mom? Because she really hated her mom. And so that makes me her stepmom. Her step oh, oh, okay. Her stepmother. So that makes me like leaning more towards not being just Lizzie Mm -hmm. because both of them died and she really hated Abby. Yeah. Interesting about the maid thing though. Yeah, I don't believe this because I think there would if they were having like this secret love affair, I think there would have been more neighbors who would have been like, oh, yeah, I saw them like kissing or something, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it seemed like their neighbors were just peeking into their house a lot. <laughs> I saw this man over there. It looked like there was a lot of confrontation going on. Mm-hmm. Theory number three, the maid. Some people have speculated that Bridget perpetrated the murders because she was being mistreated by her employers. I don't know. Also with the Lizzie and maid one too. I mean, the maid was kind of throwing Lizzie under the bus a little bit. Yeah. And the maid was, I I don't want to keep calling her the maid. Bridget. Bridget. Was outside like washing windows during the time of one of the murders. And Mm -hmm. well, she was inside for the first half hour, but the second half hour she was outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And then during the second murder, she was upstairs. Mm. So I don't know. There was nobody else in the house to like see confirm, you know, except Lizzie, except Lizzie. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So theory number four, the half brother, William Borden was Andrew brother's illegitimate son. At the time of the murders, he was 26 years old. According to this theory, he killed his father and stepmother after failing to extort money from them. I don't know. I don't know if I'm if maybe he was the wild eyed man. Ooh, maybe he was. I didn't mm-hmm. think about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Theory number five, Lizzie and her sister. This is one that you had originally had. I'm just saying. According to this theory, Lizzie and Emma conspired together to kill their father and stepmother. There is indeed some evidence that was that there was tension in the household, some of which had to do with the daughter's concern that their father was transferring money to Abby's relatives. Others have suggested that perhaps Andrew abused the girls as children and that the murders were perpetrated as revenge. I don't know. This is the one I first went with. I don't know. This is, I don't know. I'll save it for my final thoughts. But now I don't think it's Emma, even though Mm. I I could have sworn it was. Interesting. Okay. Theory number six, Uncle John Morris. Another theory was that Uncle John Morris, the brother-in-law of Mr. Borden, who had spent the night prior to the murders at the Borden home, was the killer. Mm, I don't really think that's true. I don't think so either. He's got an alibi. You know, he has an airtight alibi. There was so the timeline that I gave you was a very um, I filtered it. Like there was so much more of like this person confirmed seeing John Morris at this time. This person seemed confirmed seeing him at this time. This person confirmed seeing it this time, and it was like all like five minutes apart. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. We just need like one person confirm seeing him, you know, like we don't need like, so like he is like a the town good square. Alibi. Yeah. <laughs> the town square. Okay. Sad. Let's talk about your final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, I don't want to like keep bringing her up if she's going to haunt you can, me. You can bring her up. Just don't. 
don't, don't want- you know call her the b word <laughs> okay, i'm not gonna call you the b word anymore god um i think lizzie did it I think that women weren't given enough credit. I mean, this is probably in the wrong sense, but I don't think they were given enough credit for what they were capable of. You know, like she didn't seem very hysterical. Sure. But also she could have something like mentally happening where she was Mm -hmm. narcissistic or, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, what am I trying to think of? Just something, you know, she can't feel anything, maybe very disassociated, very cold. Mm -hmm. The fainting can have been brought on and then she was burning clothes. I mean, you've got to be smart and know to burn your evidence. And Mm -hmm. she knew or somebody knew that the police weren't going to be as involved that day and they barely found any blood and she had thoughts about the blood. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I think Maybe the sisters have brought this up together. Maybe they thought, oh, Lizzie would be the easiest one to kind of get off of this scot-free. And so Emma was like, I'm going to head out. I'm going to peace out for like two weeks. Take care of it. I'll take care of you when I get back. Probably knew this was all going to happen. Inherited their money and got what they wanted. I am in the same boat as you, Sav. For real. I think you're spot on. Women weren't given enough credit for what they could do back then. And I think Lizzie used that to her advantage. And I think that Emma knew about it because of that conversation in the jail cell Mm -hmm. where she was like, you've given me away, haven't you? Like that to me, that conversation like is like, okay, Emma knew about this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. I know. I think my thought. Yeah. She was giving her that tough sisterly love Mm -hmm. and that's that's why i was like she's like you don't think i can handle this to you like you don't think i can handle this plan and yeah it's like Mm -hmm. nah girl you got it and she's like you just watch and see we're gonna get away with it and that's i don't know dude like they thought about every aspect of this they really Mm -hmm. did and they got away with it and they got yeah i would say life i would say the only thing they didn't think about was like lizzie thinking about her um timeline because there was a lot of inconsistencies with like her story and stuff so mm-hmm. that was the only thing that I think like and I don't know if that was just nervousness if she's like oh crap I didn't even think about that like and she was trying to come up with one on the spot but um that would be the only thing I would think that they didn't think through mm-hmm. I think she did it 110 there's no way that somebody I mean the door was bolted from the inside yeah but, but- the back door could have been unlocked Mm, I know, but the buggy was on the in in the front of the house. And if you were planning mm. on murdering somebody, why would you put your buggy in the very front Good of the point? House? Good point. It's a great point. Mm. All right. Well, Sav, how many days are left until Halloween? 246, my dude. 246. And we are so excited for it. You guys can join us next week for our third and final part of the Lizzie Borden series um, where we'll be discussing the haunting of the Borden house. It's going to be very, very interesting. Savannah and I are going to be terrified. But if you like this episode, go ahead and click the subscribe button. You can rate our podcast. We accept five-star ratings only. Only. It's very exclusive or you're going to get cut off. 
So true. So true. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Facebook, and probably some other places. Um, you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can follow us on social media. We have a Facebook, Slightly Scary Podcast, a Twitter, Slightly Scary 13, an Instagram, and a TikTok are both Slightly Scary Pod. Until next time, keep it scary. Slightly scary. This episode was not slightly scary at all. It was dude. so scary. It was oh, so messed up. You did so gosh. good with the sources, dude. You did great. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. Oh my gosh. You I'm really just so creep me out. I creep myself out. I'm so scared. Oh my gosh. <sighs> <sighs> Sorry, there are guys yelling in the other room. I don't know if you can hear that. That's okay. There was police outside of our door that arrested some kid on a bike. So, so that liar. night. No, you can't say that. Oh my gosh, that's so mean. Why? It's I'm true. scared for you. I don't want her to haunt you. Oh my god. Well, prove me wrong. <laughs> Samantha's freaking like calling up on a ghost right now. Do not no, do that. I'm, not. <laughs> I'm just. You know, it's fine. It's fine. You did you. You did you, boo. And I'm going to do <laughs> I'm like tearing up. I'm so scared. Oh, my gosh. Uh, next episode's going to be so spooky. Because mm. like knowing all of this, right? Yes. Oh, good God. <sighs> what are you looking at? Stop. Stop it. Don't do this to me, Savannah. No, you I were looking. Just... You literally looked so slowly and it freaked me out sabrina what are you looking at i just look at my window there's nothing there okay i just thought i heard the wind okay (sighs) okay you can't do that to me i'm I'm scared don't do that to me you're freaking out